morning. And uh, if you want to grab your hymnals, you can grab those this morning, or you can follow us on the screen. An old hymn of the church that just says simply, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
prayer this morning as they make their way to do that this morning. Bear with me. Lost my spot for a minute. Like I say, it's good to be in God's house. Uh, thankful for everyone being here today. Um, a lot of times me and Brantley joke around. And we ask ourselves, what have we come to the house of the Lord to do? <laughs> we come to worship Him and, and praise Him. For He's worthy of it all. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says, By Him, therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but to do but to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well Let's remain standing this morning. Those that are joining us online, we welcome you this morning to church. Can we just give a hand of welcome to all our online uh, viewers this morning that are joining us today? This morning we're going to sing just a praise chorus. Many of you probably have heard it before. Uh, the song simply just says, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed when I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I am blessed. And I know that it, the storm's coming outside. I saw it uh, just like all of you. Uh, coming in this morning, I saw it when I let out of Sunday school, and there are people that are in nursing homes today, there are people that are battling COVID today that are at home and they can't come to church or they're in quarantine and wish they could be here, but we're blessed because right now we don't have COVID, so we're here, obviously, and you're not sick too bad because you're here, so that's good, you're not in a nursing home, you're not in a hospital, so we are blessed, we are definitely blessed, so let's worship the Lord today and let's just sing that today.
clap of appreciation to the Lord. Are we blessed today? This morning we're going to continue with singing this song that says, Blessed be the rock, because that is the reason we're blessed, because we have a rock that is our salvation, our deliverance. And so we worship the Lord today. So let's worship together.
rock, my strength, my fortress, and my refuge. Thy God, my rock, my strength, so who shall I fear? Oh, yes. Thy God, my rock, my strength, my fortress, and my Lord, 
Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Oh, tension in our nation but uh, I'm reminded in the Bible the Bible gives us the remedy the answer for all of this Amen. it says now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of anything you can ever have is love in fact the Bible says love conquers a multitude of sins and wrongdoing in fact in 1 Corinthians 13 it says love is patient and is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not self-seeking it is not easily puffed up it's not easily angered but my favorite line in that whole passage is love keeps no records of wrong I love the fact that no matter how many times I fall from grace no matter how many times I sin no matter how many times I make mistakes every time I go back to the throne room and I say to Jesus and to my heavenly father I'm sorry no matter how much I deserve to be punished no matter how much I deserve to be uh, sentenced to die no matter how much I deserve eternal damnation he says, all is forgiven because of love. Because when he died on Calvary's cross, he displayed love. And so he looks to the Father and he says, I've already paid for that. So we have to forgive them because love conquers the multitudes of sins. And in the world we're living in today, you know, I know there's a lot of turmoil going on. But I really believe if the scripture, the Bible says that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. I was telling somebody this past week, if the church can't get it right, how do we expect the world to get it right? If we can't love each other in church, if we can't get along with each other in church, if we can't worship together, every nation, tribe, tongue, and creed together in church, then how, pray, Taylor, are we all going to make it to heaven together? And how are we going to tell the world there's a better way if we can't even do it in church? And so this song literally just talks about how that our king, talking about Christ Jesus, known by mercy and grace, but the greatest thing he was known by is he was known by love. So worship with us today as we sing this. And once we get to the chorus, if you know it, you can join in, stand and sing. But...
are known by great authority for kingdoms far as the eyes can see in royal robes they rule from thrones raging war they overthrow the weak and they call it victory
that you serve a God that is known by his love and affection towards us. The Bible said, and while we were yet still in sin, Christ died for us. At this time, we're going to, as we segue this morning, we're going to have our kids this morning, they would be so kind to 
follow Miss Jeannie out the door to my right and to, uh, or my left to your right. And uh, they will be joining her today for Children's Church. Remember, parents, please sign out your children. If not, they get to stay extra long in church today. Uh, There is no after-church daycare that facilitates that. So please take your children back when you leave today as well. Don't forget to continue. Uh, You can continue to download our church app and uh, search Santee Circle Church of God. You can also go to our website, SanteeCircleCOG.org, for any information regarding our services, regarding upcoming events, all of that stuff as well. Don't forget, we take our tithes and offerings a little bit different around our property due to uh, safety and COVID-related issues. So we try to do things a little bit different. So if you want to give, you can give in the boxes up front or in the back. Um, Or if you want to just hand it to one of us, we'll take that as well. Uh, There's multiple ways to give. You say, well, Pastor, I wasn't prepared to give today. I didn't know. Well, there's multiple ways. You can give in person. You can give uh, online at SanteeCircleCOG.org. You can give on the Tithe.ly app. Or you can mail it. We like getting mail. We like mail that comes with stuff in mail. So we will take it any way we can to advance the kingdom of the Lord. Also, don't forget, you can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts so that you can hear our Sunday services each and every week. Let me say, as you're turning in your Bibles again to Genesis chapter 18, uh, how much I thoroughly appreciate uh, the uh, hospitality you gave to Pastor Jack Todd last Sunday night and welcoming him to our church family and allowing him to speak while I was away at camp meeting. What a wonderful time we did have at camp meeting. Camp meeting was very uh, refreshing. It was a good time in the Lord. And uh, But thank you for showing Pastor Jack uh, a, a true Santee Circle Church of God welcome. And uh, he has raved all week just about your hospitality and how, how friendly you were and the music. In fact, he's told me a couple times he was like... Um, so a couple of your band, how committed are they to your church? And uh, I said, they're pretty committed. He said, so like if I asked them to come play for mine on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely would they come play for me and not for you? I said, I suggest you don't text them. <laughs> and uh, just picking with him. But uh, he raved about the church, and he is just so honored to have got to be a part of our church. Those of you that helped pull off my dad's uh, family slash old people get together yesterday, for his 60th birthday, those that decorated, some of you ladies came and helped serve the food for the pastor. Some of you decorated. Some of you came out on Thursday night and decorated. It was a raving success. What a wonderful time um, from the cake that, that Brianna made for, for, for pastor, uh, uh, for my dad, and uh, to the decorations and to the food. Some of you made food. Some of you uh, helped serve food. Uh, when he first got here, he was so funny. He thought that Miss Ann Krause was having a family reunion here, and that's what he got told. It is kind of like a family reunion for him, and Miss Ann was here, and some of her family was here. So that wasn't a lie. It just was a church family reunion, if you will, for him. And uh, when he got here, he came through the double doors, and as only he could say, he said, I thought that I was in one of those Christmas carol stories where I was with Ebenezer Scrooge. I was Ebenezer Scrooge. And the Lord was letting me go with the ghost of Christmas past, and I walked into my funeral. He said, because that's who I would have expected to all show up if I was dead. He said, I thought I was turning 60, not going to my homegoing service. And I said, well, at least now you know how many people would come if you did die. So, you know, he, you've got some friends still that are alive. And, um, but he was so uh, surprised, and uh, he, he just was so thankful uh, for that. So thank you for helping us pull that off yesterday for him. 
He turned the big the big six zero. Uh, so um, I'm sure he'll start milking that now about how everything hurts and he can't do anything anymore and he can't get his cup of water anymore and he can't get his diet Dr Pepper anymore. Can I run to Sonic and get it for him? Because it's too far for him to get in his truck and drive two tenths of a mile from his house to Sonic to get it. Literally, where he lives is five tenths of a mile from Sonic, but he doesn't go get it. He sends somebody to go get it. And uh, so um, I love him, and he's, he's, he's a wonderful man. But uh, So thank you for that. Now let's jump into the word of the Lord today. If you will, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Genesis chapter 18. I'm only going to read uh, a few verses of scripture. Uh, we're going to read down to, um, to verse number uh, 6, I believe, today is as far as I want to go today. And the word of the Lord appeared unto him, talking about Abram, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat by the tent door at the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, lo, there were three men that stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them at the tent door, and he bowed himself towards the ground. And he said, My Lord, now if I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little bit of water, I pray, be fetched. Wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Hospitality at its finest. He is showing true hospitality. He said, I will fetch a morsel of bread, nourishment, and comfort your hearts that after a while shall pass on, and therefore are ye to come to your servant. And they said, so do, as thou hast said. So Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and he said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And I want to continue part two of our series, Hosting God. Father, I pray for the reading of your word today. I pray that you would let the hearers not only be hearers of this word, but doers thereof likewise. Father, I pray that you would allow us to hear from your word, not from me, but from you. Father, I ask that in the presence of these people, you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. You would help me to preach the unadulterated and the infallible truths of your word to the best of my ability. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may proclaim truly what thus saith the word of the Lord. I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and honor in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray and ask these things. And all God's people together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Hosting God. Now last week we read further down into this story and many of you already know how this story unfolds. And for time's sake I'm not going to re-preach everything that I preached last week to you. Uh, If you didn't hear it last week then go back and watch the live stream service and or uh, the podcast and you'll get the gist of it. But last week I, I asked you a series of questions. Have you ever been disappointed? Have Have you ever had something you longed for it to happen, but it never came to fruition. Have you ever lost faith, hope, patience? Have you ever been dis, you know, discouraged? And, and I told you that in this story that we are, are reading about today, that this is where we find it. We find a 90-year-old man and an 80-year-old woman who are at this point in their lives, they are uh, well past the years of bearing children. Uh, they're supposed to be grandparents by now. They're supposed to be enjoying children and grandchildren running around the tent, around the house. Except all of their years of trying, 
all of their years of trying their best to, to create, if you will, a, a lineage or a heritage, have children to carry on their legacy. All of those years of trying have come up empty. They have tried and they have tried. And every time they thought there might be a little ray of light at the end of the tunnel, they keep being disappointed time after time after time. It would be like someone today trying to have a baby and they couldn't. So they go to the doctor and then they put them on hormone uh, 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 supplements and they try again and nothing happens. And then they go and try IV and, and they try, you know, inverted uh, fertilization and they try different things and nothing happens. And then they go to fertility specialists and they go and get all these things done and, and, and try to help it. And nothing seems to work after thousands of dollars and countless hours and sleepless nights and, and tear-stained pillows. Nothing ever happens that's Abraham and Abram and Sarah I at this point in time Abraham I told you is a little discouraged because the only son that he ever had or like a son he ever had was when he was raising his nephew Lot but Lot's gone Lot's went on to Sodom and Gomorrah Lot's took his family and he's left even Lot's family is gone so Abram's all alone but Sarai he just wanted a baby of his own his own flesh and blood I told you that in that society, in that culture, for a woman to have the inability to produce a male offspring to carry on the family legacy was considered uh, a shame to her. Like she was, she was looked down upon. In fact, oftentimes if she could not fulfill what they call her role as a duty of a wife, they would often allow him... Uh, allow her to either give a surrogate in her place, whether it was a servant girl or another wife, to try to have a child in her honor. So because she was shamed among women if she could not produce children for her husband to carry on the family name. I mean, I'm sure Abraham loved Sarah, no doubt, but it was discouraging. Sarah comes up with this grandiose plan. She sends her servant in there, Hagar, and says, Look, I can't have children. You take Hagar as a wife. You let her have a baby, and it'll be like if I had a baby. So Abraham goes, okay. So he takes her in. After much discussion, he takes her in. And Hagar begins uh, to, to show signs of the, the pregnancy is, is going along swimmingly. and It's going well. She produces a male child. They name him Ishmael. And that becomes Abraham's son. As soon as Ishmael's born, shortly thereafter, Sarah gets agitated. She gets angry. She gets jealous. She gets nasty. She tells Abraham, she said, you did this. Wait a minute. You told me to take her as a wife. Now you're blaming me for what happened. Yes, you did it. You should have known better. Don't listen to me. Just because I tell you to do something don't mean you had to do it. I know ain't none of y'all ever said that to somebody. I know none of y'all have ever told your spouse to do something, and then when they did it, you said, well, you should have known I wasn't serious about it. I didn't mean for you to go do it. I was just venting. I didn't mean, well, you told me to go do it. Sarah is mad. She sends them off. She sends them away. And the Bible says that she sends them uh, out. She basically kicks them out of the house. Hagar can't, can't begin to see her son die in the desert heat, so she lays him here at, at, at under a tree, and she goes away. And a few distances away, the Bible said an angel of the Lord appeared to her, and the Lord spoke to her, and, said, you know, and she said, Look, my son's about to die. I, I can't watch. I can't bear it. And the Lord provided water for her and the child. And then God told her, told her to do something real unique. Go back to Sarah and Abraham. She's like, oh, wait a minute. That's the same lady just kicked me out. I'm, why am I going back to the lady that just kicked me out of the house? He said, no, go back. Your child will be a great nation as well, but go back. 
in the meantime, while all this is happening, the Bible says Abraham one night was standing outside of his tent, looking up at the stars. And the word of the Lord came to Abram. It wasn't Abraham yet. He was Abram at the time. And the Lord said, Abram, count the stars in the sky. Abram started counting. He said, oh, I don't know if I... And he kept getting stuck thinking he's miscounted because he counted that one twice. He couldn't remember. And Abram finally says to the Lord, Lord, it is virtually impossible for me to know how many stars are in the sky. And the Bible says God said to Abram, Abram, that's going to be your seed. That's going to be your lineage. It will be impossible. You will have, you or your descendants will be like the sands of the seashore. They'll, they'll be like innumerable. You won't be able to count how many descendants that you have. And you're no longer going to be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. And your wife will no longer be called Sarai. She's going to be called Sarah. And you're going to have a child. And God even said his name will be Isaac. Now God's promised him this. But Abraham said to God, God, how's that possible? I'm 90. She's 80. We're past that stage in life. We've already exhausted all resources. God, why don't you let my son Ishmael be the one. He's the child. Let him be the one that carries on my name. And God said, he'll be great, but that's not the promised child. The promised child is Isaac. That's who we're after. Abraham, no doubt, goes back in the tent and he tells Sarah, okay, I'm going to start calling you Sarah, and uh, I'm going to be called Abraham, and we're going to have a baby. And she's like, yeah, right. I don't know who you're, who you're fooling, but that's not happening. I don't know what you were doing outside that tent, but whatever you were doing, it's messed you up. You need to get off that stuff and quit drinking that Kool-Aid because that's got you messed up. I'm 80 years old. Ain't nobody going to be having no babies at 80. Abraham says, okay, or whatever, and he goes about his business. Well, then we find Genesis 18. Abraham's sitting out by his tent. Abram, the Bible said, was known for his hospitality. He would, where he was set up in the plains of Mamre, it was in between Hebron and Jerusalem, and the traffic would be, there would be foot traffic that would come and go and come and go. And so Abram was right there in the middle. So oftentimes these men and men, women, they'd come by. Abraham and people like him would offer people on their journey, can I offer you some water? They were very hospitable people. They were, they were very engaging or compassionate. And that's why we have a hospitality team here at church. It's not because we, we think that you don't know how to find the bathrooms or that you can't find your way, but we want you to feel welcome. We want you to not have to search for a bathroom. We don't want you to feel like you don't know where to go. We want you to be able to put a name with the face so when you walk in, you can find a seat or you can do it and feel like this is home. In fact, uh, two Sunday nights ago, we had our men and women uh, fellowship, discipleship night, and... Uh, I taught a devotion, and I specifically asked, what makes us unique? As in Santee Circle, what makes us different? What makes us unique? And people gave us the popcorn answers of various things. But one of the ones that I loved the most was when people would say, when I come, I feel like I'm at home. You cannot get a better description or a, or, or, or a better uh, compliment for your church ever than for people to say when they come, they feel like it just felt right. It felt right at home. 
You don't want them to come and say, when I came there, they were rude, they were arrogant, they were egotistical, they were narcissistic, they, they didn't even speak to me, they didn't even invite me to dinner uh, for the fellowship night, they didn't say anything to me, I've been going there four weeks and have yet to meet one person. No, no, that's bad stuff. But when someone says, no, when I walked in the door, it just felt right. It felt like home. That's what we want it to be like. We want people to feel like they've come home. They can find a safe place because home, home is supposed to be a place of safety and security. You can go out anywhere you want to go and screw up your lives, but, but when you come home, mama and dad is always there saying, okay, but we'll help you get back on your feet. We're going to love you because home is that place you can come back to. Remember the prodigal son? He did all he did, but when he hit rock bottom, where did he go? Home. Because he knew that even the servants got better treatment than what he was getting. So he went back to his daddy. He went home. That's how we want people to come to this church and come be a part of the family of God. We want them, no matter how bad their life is, drugged up and messed up. And, and no matter how uh, uh, bad they have mistakes that they have made, when they walk through these doors, they've come home and they can find the Father, God the Father, welcoming them home and saying, Welcome home. I've been waiting for you to return. We want them to feel like they're at home. So Abram welcomes these guests. He offered them hospitality. So we find that there was this divine drop-in, if you will. This divine drop-in. Abraham did not know these men at first were men of God. The Bible said he perceived there was obviously something different. But, but Abraham did not know what these men were stopping by to tell him. He just was offering them hospitality. He offered them hospitality in accordance to the culture of the day. He said, let me go get some water and wash your feet so that they're not dirty. Because in that day, servants would wait at the door of anyone's house, and they would have a basin of water and towels, and they would wash every sojourner's seat before they entered the house to get the house clean because they walked on dusty and dirty roads. They didn't want to be trekking that in, so they would wash their feet at the door. Abraham was looking for an opportunity to show kindness. We know Mamre was a special place for Abraham. It was the land he got, the promised land from Egypt when he moved back there. Abraham would eventually buy a cave and use it to bury Sarah when she subsequently passes. Abraham eventually himself was carried back there and was buried. Isaac, his son, even asked on his deathbed in Genesis 49 and in Genesis chapter 50 to please take me back to Mamre place of my father so a lot of things have happened at this tree of Mamre not only is Isaac's birth prophesied and comes to fruition but Sarah is laid there to rest Abraham is laid there to rest Isaac eventually is laid there to rest so this place was significant in Abraham's life you see I have often come to the understanding through being a pastor's kid my entire life that God will graciously visit those whom have raised their level of expectations of his arrival. See, Abraham was waiting for somebody to come by. Abraham wasn't sitting inside the tent playing Phase 10 or Uno or playing on his little iPad or watching his cell phone or posting something on Facebook. Abraham was sitting outside the tent looking for an opportunity to minister to somebody. See, we live in a day in society where we don't look for opportunities to minister to people, we just want people to minister to us. We've got it backwards. We want people to serve us rather than us serve them. The Bible very clearly says this. He says the greatest 
will be the least, the least will be the greatest, and the greatest, it will be the servant of them all. He said, if you want to be the greatest, learn how to be a servant. Learn how to serve people. You see, Abraham wasn't looking for someone to do something for him. He was looking to do something instead for them. See, people, I feel like at times don't have these divine drop-ins or these days of visitation from the Lord because they haven't been sitting, if you will, in anticipation outside the proverbial tent looking for God's arrival. They haven't been watching. That's why the Bible says, look up for your redemption draws now. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep looking. We can't just be sitting there inside the tent and hope somebody knocks on the door and says, oh, hey, I came by for a visit. No, we got to have a level of expectation and anticipation and say, Lord, even quickly, even so quickly, come, Lord Jesus, and come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and come to church and say, God, I come by hoping you'd stop by today. Hope Hoping your spirit would come by today. Hoping you would speak to me today. We have to have a level of expectation for his arrival. When we don't, we may miss our moment. He may pass us right on by. If Abraham would have been sitting in the tent and not offered them, I don't know if they would have pulled the tent cover back and went in and said, hey, I'm looking for you. I'm not so sure they may not have kept walking. Because there is something to be said about looking for Jesus. Looking for to the author and perfecter of our faith. Look up for your redemptive draw now. I lift up mine eyes unto the hills, which forth cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. There is something to be said about looking for Jesus to show up rather than sitting by hoping he just stops by. So Abraham had been waiting. He offers them a meal. He tells them to sit down. Instead of commanding the servants to do it, the Bible said Abraham ran and got the herd, the calf out of the herd and prepared it and dressed it. He had Sarah make bread. Well, we know bread represents Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the bread of life that cometh down from heaven. We know water represents baptism and and oftentimes Jesus refers to it in some ways as the Holy Spirit and, and rivers of living water. And we go, that's why we put we do uh, water baptism. You go down in the water to represent you're going being dead to sin and you'll be raised to new life, cleansed by the water, raised to new life in Christ Jesus. There's nothing special about the water. It's just symbolic of what you've already done by being washed by the word and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it stands for. It's just a symbolic representation, a public pro- uh, profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham has all these elements in this story, water and bread. And he begins to prepare this meal. And these men begin to talk to him about why they are there. You see, God made himself tangible, manifested in a tangible way. See, I, I would surmise today and, 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 and like to say this, that I believe what the church needs more than anything else is we once again need to have a real tangible experience of God's presence in the house again. You say, well, Pastor, I've never seen God physically, so I can't have a real tangible way. Oh, yes, you can. It doesn't mean you can tangibly touch his hand like Abraham did. But, oh, some of us in this church today have been in services where it was the Spirit of God was so strong, it was like a real, tangible presence of the Holy Spirit because we saw drunk people walk in drunk as a scum. They were smelling like alcohol, but when they got up from the altar, they might still have the smell of alcohol, but they were drunk with something else. It was the wine of the Holy Spirit. It was the wine of Christ Jesus. I've seen people come to church 
church that were dead in their trespasses and sin. But the Spirit of the Lord was so strong, they couldn't wait for the invitation. They ran to the altar. They buried their face in the floor. They cried out to God for help because the presence of God was so strong. I've seen sons and daughters come into altars and start praying, and the Spirit of the Lord just fall upon them. And they started speaking in a heavenly language. No, they weren't touched. No, they weren't pushed. No, they weren't beaten with the Bible. No, they weren't doused with oil. They were all by themselves. But the presence of the Lord was so strong in the house, they felt Him in a real and a tangible way. Oh, how I wish that we felt God like that again in church. What would it be like? God walked in His Spirit, His presence in such a strong way that we could experience the tangible outpouring manifestation of His presence. Where sinners were saved. Where people were sanctified. Where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Where lives were transformed because of Him being in the house. What would that be like? The Bible reveals that God oftentimes visits those who are welcoming His presence. Because the Bible says there will come a point that if you push Him out far enough, He will write a word called Ichabod over the doorpost of that house, which means God no longer is here. He's departed. I don't ever want it to be said in this church or at any church that is a church that Ichabod is written over the doorpost of that house of worship. Because the day God stops visiting His people is the day we are in the most serious trouble that we've ever been in our lives. Our world, coining an old adjective, an old phrase, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. You don't have to believe it. You can watch the news, not watch the news. You can bury your head in the sand and live under a rock all you want to. Our world is chaotically going down at an alarming rate. If we don't have hope in Jesus, then what do we have hope in? Because the Bible says that if we don't have hope in, in Jesus, then we are of all men most miserable. There is something to be said about having a hope in Christ Jesus. So, how do we host to this presence? Well, Hebrews 13 and 2 says this. That sometimes being hospitable to strangers, when we are, are showing a, a, a hospitality attitude to people, that there have been some people that have entertained angels unaware. How do you know that the person that you just gave a smile to in the Walmart parking lot wasn't an angel unaware? How do you know that when someone was standing down at the balcony downstairs at your hotel room and you just struck up a conversation with them and, you know, they were telling you about their life story and y'all were just reminiscing and they were telling you and they were encouraging you and you were encouraging them. How do you know you weren't entertaining an angel? Unaware. See, I don't know often where all the angels are. I don't know how many times myself or you have entertained an angel unaware. But I'd be more afraid of asking God, but God, how many times have I missed the angels unaware that I should have been entertaining? How many people have I pushed away because I didn't have time? I was too busy. I had too much on my plate. I had too much to do. They didn't look like me. They didn't talk like me. They didn't seem to be just like me. And so I wrote them off as nothing. How many times, God, did I maybe miss entertaining my angel unaware? I pushed them away rather than welcome them in. See, that's why in churches, it breaks my heart to hear of churches talk about, well, you know, if these kinds of people are going to start coming to our church, then I'm either going to have to leave this church or, Pastor, you need to step in and you need to tell them they need to go to it because our church is not like that. What if they're an angel unaware? 
I'm not saying they are. So don't come to my office and say, well, Pastor, so you're telling me that person came in there an angel? No, but I'm telling you, I don't want to miss one. So I would rather people be able to go to a house of worship and learn to be discipled. And if they're not an angel, then they get saved and they're discipled. And we help them grow in their faith. And we help them, be, be, them become a part of the family of God than to have Ichabod wrote over the door because I was too narcissistic to even entertain them unaware. See, sometimes God drops by. He drops in. But we also know in this story that there is a denial. So these guys start telling this story. They start saying, okay, y'all are going to have a baby. Now remember, Abraham already knows this, or supposed to know this. Abraham's already been told that you're going to have a son. His name's Isaac. Abraham argued with God. I'm 90, she's 80, let Ishmael do it. Abraham's already had that conversation before. Now these men come and say it again in the earshot of Sarah. Sarah sits in the tent while she's baking the bread going, yeah, right. She didn't go out there and say it to them. She said it to herself first. Yeah, right. I'm an 80-year-old woman. They, they're nuts. I think I'm going to go have some baby. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know where these men came from, but they are some crazy lunatics. You see, it was not uncommon for women to remove themselves in that day and hour, and the men sit out and have discussions or things like that or sit at the city gates, and the ladies do that. So it wasn't un. Uh, you know, necessarily an unexpected or an uncommon thing for her not to be present. So the Bible says that the men say, where is Sarah, by the way? Abraham said, oh, she's just in the tent, you know, she's just hanging out in there. She's not watching kids because we ain't got none, but she's just chilling out inside. Probably scrolling on her Facebook feed right now, just seeing who's what's going on, what, what everybody's posting today. Just chilling out in the tent. But can I tell you this this morning? That even when you try to run and hide from God, God knows exactly where you are even before He asks the question. God also knows before you ever ask for what you need, He already knows what you have need of before you ask it. God knows exactly what you're experiencing and what you're going to go through before you even get to that point you have to go through it. God already knew it. It wasn't like they didn't know Sarah was in the tent. That was more like a rhetorical question. They knew where she was. You can run, you can hide, you can try to avoid God all you want. But he knows where you are at all times. He knows. He always knows. He knows what you're going to go through before you go through. He knows what you have need of. So they continue this, you're going to have a baby. So this is the second time, if you will, that Abraham has heard that he's going to have this baby. Sometimes in life, God repeats it, not because God forgot the word, but sometimes he repeats it because we didn't get the word from him the first time, so he has to say it again. People say, well, what are you talking about? How many times have you ever been in life where you know God, you thought God gave you a word, but you questioned it, so you really didn't do nothing with the word? And then maybe a little bit of time, a little bit of time passed or whatever, but that word came back again, whether somebody else preached on it or whether somebody called you on the phone. Somehow that word got brought back to your remembrance that you, and it's like, oh, wow, God, you're telling me this again. Sometimes God has to tell us a couple times because we don't get it the first time around. And so we have to do it. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes we've got to keep hearing this over and over again, make sure we're on the right track. That's why we still preach it. That's why we still sing it. That's why we still talk about it. Because sometimes we need to be reminded so we don't forget what God's done. So Sarah, the Bible tells us, she's already been criticized. If you go back and read it, the Bible says that Sarah's already not being associated with the women of the day. They've already kind of wrote her off as, yeah, you're not that, that, you know, you can't have babies. You're not a part of us. So she's on her own little world. She's ostracized by the women. 
She even says unto herself, I have gotten old. Does it look like I'm able to have a baby? You see, they were both well advanced in years. I believe that the greatest obstacle keeping people from, house, from hosting or housing the presence of God is doubt. They don't believe he can do it. The reason I don't believe we see as many miracles anymore is because people don't believe God can actually do them anymore. The reason I believe people don't see marriages restored and homes put back together and finances blessed is because the people who need it don't believe God can do it. They don't believe it. They say they believe it. But everything they say and the way they live it out is contradictory than what the words they just said. They say they believe. They say, oh, I believe it. But then they walk out of here and be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Are you crazy? They sit here at an altar and they pray. They ask God for it. Then they get on their car headed to Gilligan's to eat. And they look at each other and going, like, you really know God's not going to do that, right? Well, they just, they just took that prayer and just chopped it right off. They stand here in church and ask for the elders to come and lay their hands on it and pray for them. Then they get in the car and they go, that's impossible. God's not going to be able to do that for us. Doubt. Denial. She don't believe it. She doesn't think it's possible. It's been a long time. She's tired of being discouraged. you got to remember, this ain't like this the first time. I mean, the Bible lets us know Sarah has not been able to have a baby. So it's not like Sarah hadn't wanted to have a baby or tried. She's just tired of being disappointed. I wonder if there are people in this world, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many people in this world are tired of being disappointed. They're tired of COVID. Tired of it. They're tired of being quarantined. They're tired of not being able to do things. They're tired of not being able to live life normally. They're just tired of it. They all went and got the vaccine, still got COVID. They're just tired of this mess. I wonder how many people are discouraged by it. Depressed by it. Disheartened by it. I wonder how many people have been like Sarah and been like, yeah, I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt. I don't, I don't believe it can happen. It's not for me. That word's not for me. That miracle's not for me. That promise is not for me. When we try to question, deny, or discredit the things of God, that level of doubt will cripple the miracle and blessing we are to receive. And then there became the deliberate dishonesty. Sarah would have been really smart, stayed her behind in the tent, kept her mouth shut, just not said anything. But Sarah had a righteous indignation spirit in her. She couldn't let it. In fact, it would be like the equivalent of saying to Sarah, Sarah basically was saying, you're not going to come into my house and call me out in my own house. That's basically what she's saying. <laughs> you came into my house as a guest. <laughs> you ain't going to sit out there and call me out in front of everybody. Because the Bible says that the man says, why did Sarah laugh in the tent? Why is she discrediting me? Sarah's still in the tent, y'all. Sarah's like, how dare how he have the audacity to walk in my house and call me out in front of my husband and my family. How is he going to walk in my house and call me out? So she rips the door of the tent open. She goes, walking out. She says, I did not laugh. Bad mistake, Sarah bad mistake see just because we think that God may have taken the promise away or that it's not come on our time it is funny to me that when we question God it is if as if that like, God's still not able to do it like Sarah really thought that the guy who knew she laughed in the tent even though he was not in the tent with her is not going to know she's lying about it too think about that he 
He knew she left in the tent, and he wasn't even in there. But she thought by lying, he's going to not know that? That was the first mistake she made. She comes out the tent. She tells him, I didn't laugh. But the Bible says this, Matthew 10 and 26. The things that are done in secret, God will reveal openly. Luke 8, 17. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. There is nothing concealed that will not be brought open in the light. You cannot hide it from God. You can try to run. You can try to hide. You can try to lie to God. But you can try all you want to. There's nothing he doesn't already know. So you can, you can fool me. You can fool the Sunday school teacher. You can fool the whole church. You can even fool your own family. But you'll never fool God. God knows exactly where your heart is. God knows exactly what you believe. God knows exactly what you're thinking. You can show, you can do be a, uh, a showman all you want to and try to uh, give us all this uh, uh, different looks and, and things and make us think all is well, but God knows exactly what's going on inside of you. You can't hide it from God. People try. People try to lie to get ahead. It don't ever work. Puts them in situations they don't want to be put in. Sometimes it's better to keep our mouth shut than saying anything. I have learned that the number one thing that gets people in the most trouble is their mouth. It cripples their blessings. It cripples their miracles. But you know what? It also creates problems. I have learned that we can hinder the manifestation and the visitation of the Lord by the venomous and toxic words of our mouth. As Miss Carol makes her way, and we'll get ready to go to point number four. Here's what's interesting to me about our mouth. The Bible says, out of the mouth comes blessings and curses together. But this ought not be. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's all about the mouth. See, I've, 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 I have learned that our, our words get us in trouble, whether it's doubt, whether it's discouragement, they get us in trouble. It's, the, it's, it's our mouth that gets us in trouble. And we've gotten more creative over the years. Instead of physically calling you out with our mouth, we just now use social media platforms to do it. We just get on Facebook and write about it as if we didn't say it. Well, you typed it, so you, yeah, you are saying it. You're just saying it digitally. You're still saying it. It's just in digital formatting. You know, you get all these people writing up there. You know who you are, but don't you ever. And then they start ranting. I may not know who they are, but you don't think Jimmy, Joe, John, Jeff, Janet, whoever, that's your friend on Facebook that you're writing about, don't know you're talking about her since that's who you were just talking to when you got mad now you wrote about it she knows it's her duh they like say oh you don't think that her first cousin's not gonna see it call her and be like hey do you see what they wrote on facebook about you why they put her name out there no but they know they're not stupid called her out her mouth get us in trouble <laughs> but i love that even though our mouth can get us in trouble our mouth can also be the thing that gets us a help in our time of trouble. Because the Bible says throughout the book of Psalms, Then I cried unto the Lord, 
Then I cried unto the Lord. That means I'm using my mouth. Then I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of his holy hills, he delivered me. He sustained me. I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord. Because what the psalmist is saying is when I hit rock bottom, I use that same mouth that I've been doing for all the negative stuff. I used that same mouth, but I turned it around, and I allowed it to be used for good. And God used that same lips of clay, that same mouth, and he made it better for me. He turned it around. Sarah said, I didn't laugh. She said, oh, yes, you did. He said, but you know what? To prove this point, in the fullness of time, one year from today, you're going to come back here. You're going to have a baby in your home. She's like, yeah, okay. That's not going to happen. After one year was complete, the Bible said there came a faint cry out of the back end of a tent. Almost like a whimper. It's very faint. And then you hear the sounds of cooing. Abraham, I believe probably while all this was while the maid servants were tending to Sarah inside the tent, I, I, I believe, now this is just me, this is not the Bible, this, I read you out of the King James KJV, now I'm going to preach for a few minutes out of the JKV, I'm a little dyslexic so I translate differently. But here's what I think. I think Abraham probably sat outside while they were ministering to her in that tent. You know, I remember they didn't have hospitals. It wasn't like you called the hospital to come pick up. You take you down there to Roper St. Francis and deliver the baby. Uh, no, they came to you. The baby came wherever you were at. You didn't go to the hospital. I could imagine Abraham, Brother Marion, letting the ladies tend to her. He probably went and sat right outside that same tent. And he looked across the sky. And as he was waiting, all of a sudden he just heard, started hearing a faint cry and he said it can't be it can't be it can't be he heard the crying cooing of a baby and I can believe that Abraham probably had tears streaming down his face as he looked across that same land where he's sitting in that tent outside that tent thinking there's no way there's no way and when they asked what do you want us to name the baby naming him Isaac son of laughter because I remember the day we sat in the same tent that his mama laughed and said, God can't do this. But here a year later, I'm holding this baby that's my pride, my joy, my bundle of hope. The Bible calls Abraham a friend of God. Abraham ministered to the Lord personally, and immediately, generously, humbly, served him cooperatively. Abraham had no doubt had been a minister to Sarah and to the world. Abraham's name means the exalted father or the father of many nations. Sarah's name means princess. So the father of nations and the princess together created a son whose name was the one who laughs or in some translations you will it'll translate that word in the Hebrew to rejoice. The son of rejoicing. His laughter was equated to so the father of many nations and the princess created the son of rejoicing weeping endures for the night but joy rejoicing joy laughter comes in the morning many tears stained pillows of not being able to produce a child but there came a day that they heard a crying of a little 
newborn baby, but there now are tears of joy and rejoicing, son of laughter. Isaiah 43 and 19, as we get ready to be dismissed, I will do a new thing, saith God. It will spring forth, and you shall not know of it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers and wastelands. Psalms 113 and 9, God will grant the barren woman a home like the joyful mother of children. See, here's what I firmly believe today with all my heart. And I do believe this with all my heart. That many people miss their day of visitation with the Lord because they talk themselves out of it. They don't believe it. I don't know what you have need of today. But I know this, whether it's been one week, two weeks, one year, two years, ten years, twenty years, or your entire life, you've been waiting on God to do something, don't discredit His ability to do it. Don't talk yourself out of your miracle. Don't talk yourself, because I firmly believe that if it is our desire to host the presence of God here in this church, God also will host His presence in your life every day if you will let Him be a part of your life every day. Sarah holds that baby and as I close the day Isaac was born the Bible gives us a little intuition about Sarah and Abraham Abraham was about 90 years old when he counted the stars in the sky and Sarah the Bible said was around 80 he told God how can a 90 year old man and an 80 year old woman have a baby it wasn't one year after that day that Abraham finally had Isaac it was 10 years He got the promise, but he had to wait 10 years to see it come to life. That's a long time. But God did not forget about Abraham in all those years because the Bible said when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, 10 years later, they held a baby. How many of you right now, if you're over 65 years old, want to start over and having children again? Starting from ground zero. Some of y'all have grandchildren. You're like, I don't even want to have to raise them. I must less start over with children. But I want to tell you this. It doesn't matter how long it's been since God gave you your promise. God's faithful to complete it. If you hold on long enough, just hold on. That hope we talked about, hold on. God's promises are eternal. Hold on. Hold on. Will you stand with me all over this house today as we get ready to pray? those make their way to help me do our benedictory benedictory song they'll make their way I want to pray a prayer over you today a prayer of hope for you a prayer that's going to speak prophetically over your life to say to you God I don't know what they have need of but I know a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what their minds can think or comprehend so let's pray together Heavenly Father I don't know what these constituents in this building today are going through but I know a God that is able it's able to do it God there's many men and women under the sound of my voice that need a touch from you today so God today I pray we leave this place God that we would, we would have a desire to host your presence we want to experience you we want your presence to inhabit and take our worship We leave this place. Let your spirit make residency in us. 
minister to us. Let this church be a place, God, your presence is welcomed in every day. We can experience you today. God, as we get ready to leave this place and go to and fro our destination, I pray you would be with us. Let your presence reside with us. Bring us back safely tonight and on Wednesday night to worship you experience your presence. We love you. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Let's sing this together. This is our song of praise. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. back tonight, Lord, energized for you.